0: Hello and welcome! Here we are. I'm Bartleby Nehigh. And I no longer know what to expect from this show. That's a good thing, Artemis. There's no expectation quite like no expectations at all. That's not what I mean. Doesn't matter.
1: What matters is that we arrived at the same conclusion. I doubt that. We're the Kinetic Paranormal Society. A pair of socks in a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space investigating all things supernatural. You're listening to Metacosmos.
0: Oh, boy. This is going to be so fun. Man, Artemis. Yes? What do you want to podcast about this
1: week? You know what I want to podcast about this week. Really? I I have no idea. I was explaining economics last week and you just cut me off. I was barely finished. Well, you were going on for a while and it was going to be a bit much, so
0: I thought that maybe everyone was bored and we should stop you immediately. What? I was barely even started. Yeah, I know, I know, and I thought that it was a bit much, and it should be like a two-parter episode, and so we were going to do it this week.
1: But you were just going to do a little bit where you pretend that we're going to do it this week, and then you have some other theme planned for the day, or bring in a guest, or play some sort of other podcast and just skip me altogether. Well, yeah, okay,
0: that's true, but what if the bit is a reverse bit? where you think I'm going to do that to you, but actually, it's going to be our first ever two-part
1: episode. Yeah! Okay, if you're like, at some point, you're going to pull the rug out from under me, and we're going to be doing some other theme. Well, I don't know. Like, this is a wild ride. Who knows what we'll talk about?
0: But maybe we should catch up, listeners. It's been a week since they listened to this.
1: Okay. Um, dear... I thought you were going to do a little bit on me. Yeah, well,
0: this is the bit. that I didn't do the bit. I didn't prepare the notes. I didn't bring them this time. I was sure it would be pointless. Well, funny thing there. That's what makes this bit so good. No one saw it coming. So, do you want to
1: give us a little little something? Oh, dear. Shouldn't we do some sort of last time on Metacosmos? How's the actors and writers' strike have anything to do
0: with economics?
1: It's very important that we examine the cycle in which people in every workforce get their rights. But the thing that makes the movie industry particularly special is that it's very much out in the open. It's there for everyone to see. Oh, so
0: it's like a really public-facing workforce. So by examining them as a workforce then we can, like, kind of get an idea of what's happening to all the workforces that are happening in far less public places. Yes,
1: precisely.
0: So there's this big strike happening now, and there's no livable
1: wages for writers and actors? The streaming services, they don't want to explain to the actors how much their shows are being watched and so... They definitely don't want to give them residuals for how much they're being watched because they don't even tell them how much the shows are or are not being watched. The reason why they're not telling the actors and writers how much is being streamed is because they're telling their shareholders, oh, everything's going great in streaming and you all should invest in us and give us your money because everything's great over here. And they don't want to say what may or may not actually be the truth. That sounds something like a shell game. And this has actually been happening as a model ever since Jack Welch. He was the CEO of GE, but I can say he was doing some sort of bloodletting of the GE corporation, taking the resources of the company, slashing jobs underneath them. And eventually many corporations would come to buy their own television stations and their own movie production studios. So this style of being a CEO and running a company eventually caught up to all of Hollywood, and the CEOs make exorbitant salaries to all of the employees at these companies. And it's really an important deal because it brings us to the topic of wage differentials. Okay, and you're going to talk about CEOs? Yes, because you see, now that we've got this world where the corporation's only care about maximizing profits, the CEOs are making exorbitant salaries as a result. Now, why is that? Well, you see, because every time the CEO makes a decision like Jack Welch would, in which he would then, for instance, cut many jobs, 10% of the lowest performing jobs, no matter how well they're performing, if they're the lowest, they had to go. And you do that year after year, maximizing profits, and minimizing losses was his theory. And he was juggling books to make it look like these were good decisions, no matter how good or bad they were. And he would do this repeatedly in a way that made it appear the company had more value. And as a result, he would be rewarded more for it. And the CEO's salaries began to go up in this fashion because everything they did for profit that made many people lose jobs was seen as a gain. And they were seen as the person who prod about that gain because everybody else was just doing their regular jobs.
0: That's a lot to start an episode with, Artemis. Like, I feel like the last time on Metacosmos is not going to be enough. Well, hopefully the edit we put together will make that make sense. Oh, my gosh. Artemis, you don't have very well-structured episodes. I think I should go over your notes before you do these things. I don't even have my notes right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Maybe it's not too late for me to do a different bit and we just change the theme right now.
1: You said you wouldn't do that. I mean, like, it's not like you brought notes. Okay, I'm just going to move forward. Did you know that CEO salaries have gone up 1,400% since Jack Welch? Really? Yes. These are the bonuses they get for supposedly adding value to the company as they make the company less sustainable in the long run and less of a fundamental part of a community. Wait, hold on, what's that mean? Well, we talked about, a little bit in the last episode, about the welfare capitalism, where you make sure there's enough funding going to all of the workers to make sure that the workers don't turn into communists. Whatever happened to that? That just disappeared with Welch? Well, he started phasing away from it, but the fall of communism really made it less of a necessity to many people who just... Felt the fear of communism. They didn't fear it so much once the big governments were no longer following it. They still don't think the people are going
0: to get unsatisfied?
1: Well, that's where all this entertainment in Hollywood comes into play. As long as the people have their entertainment, things seem to work pretty well. Huh. But we can learn a lot, again, from looking at this all as a model. But please, please, you're you're blaming me for this lack of structure. But you're the one asking these questions out of order.
0: What do you mean order? You don't have
1: any notes. Well, I did write notes at one point, and I'm just working off the notes I remember writing. Oh, my goodness. You were talking
0: about, like, um, egalitarian wage differentials? You want to, like, expand on what that meant? Because I'm still trying to figure that out. Does it have to do with
1: eagles? No, egalitarian. It's a sense that everything should be a certain amount of fairness for everyone. Oh, wow, that
0: sounds really nice. Sounds kinda like Star Trek. But, but don't start talking about Star
1: Trek. We're not doing a Star Trek episode. I'm I'm not trying to do a Star Trek episode.
0: No, you just don't you know don't start thinking about it and like
1: going off in that direction right now. I'm not. I'm I'm focused on a particular topic. Darn, okay, that didn't work. As I was saying, the egalitarian wage differentials have nothing to do with eagles. It's about fairness, and the wage differential is the difference between the lowest and the highest paid employee, and we want to make sure that in an egalitarian wage differential, they should be tethered to each other. This was something that was brought up by the actors in the writer's strike, that the lowest paid actors versus the highest paid CEOs, it's just not fair. But this is true in every company. So like, what's like the average difference in these companies
0: between the highest and the lowest?
1: To be honest, we usually don't know.
0: Why not? Isn't there supposed to be an amount of transparency for publicly traded companies or something?
1: Oh, yes. Actually, there is. But for the most part, they use the average income and then they compare that to the CEOs. Oh. Yes. Even then, it's in many cases on average 400% more for the medium from the CEO in current economy. And in some cases, in 49 of the top 300 companies, it's... Over a thousand percent more from the median. Do you think those companies are like using
0: a lot of overseas labor? Well, yes, that would probably account that. But still not fair.
1: No, not at all. So you say that you got to make them egalitarian. How are you going to do that? Well, the idea is that we require companies to tether their wages by percentile. So the CEO only gets paid more if they give the lower employees a raise. Again, how are you can enforce that? I unfortunately must admit, it's not easily enforceable.
0: Yeah, your guy, your Smith guy. Adam Smith. Yeah, yeah. He had, like, rules to make capitalism work? It's not capitalism.
1: Capitalism's practically imaginary. Okay, so he had rules to make economies work? Really, communities. Okay. And the... Descriptions he created within his economics was more to reflect what was actually happening in the real world. Okay, and you're the one that doesn't want to subvert the topic. It's the same topic. Okay,
0: whatever. So, what did you guys say you needed to do to have a good economy?
1: Oh, he said you needed to have transparency, accountability, and modest regulation. Okay, that middle one. Accountability?
0: Yeah, that one. How's that going to happen that's going to actually keep these wages
1: tethered? Well, I honestly don't know. Accountability seems to be one of the most lacking elements within the recipe that Smith recommends. Transparency is already its own rather foggy issue, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it really is. And so it's hard to know what to be accountable for and what to count for and all that. But it's a start just to even aim for it.
0: But, like, what's going to happen? Are they going like to then have to make all of the employees get, like, super high salaries? Like, if the janitors are getting paid, like, now tons
1: of money because they got to be as much as the CEO, where's all that money going to come from? It's not going to come from anywhere. They have to cut the CEO salary by some. And every company could then decide internally how they want to deal with that percentage. You could give the lowest-paid employees quite a lot and then the CEO quite a lot more. Or oh, well, then you could give the CEOs just a lot less and they pay the employees a lot less. But it would be hard to lure in employees in that market. But this is all something that the idea is that market forces will determine all this. An economy, ideally, is like a self-weeding garden. What's that mean? Well, it should be taking out the bad elements and putting and encouraging the good elements in a natural way. Yet that there's some gardens where the plants compete in a way that create a dynamic ecosystem. Huh. And so, we don't have this? No, no. When these CEOs boost their values of the companies, and they do it just with the objective of getting themselves a nice little bonus. Yeah? Well, under those conditions, it's kind of like living a lie. And so the values of the company are just being juggled for the profits of just a very few people in a marginal class of the society who have just far too much of the money in their own possession to play this little game, that it's not really actively part of the actual economy of the people who need to survive, which is what the economy is. Again, the economy is nothing more than a mathematical reflection of the community and its own health. Oh. So, this is like
0: something that we can still see in the actor's strike, you say?
1: Well, we mentioned Netflix earlier. Yeah. And Netflix is something of a company that gives us an example of seeing what happens when all of this juggling of information becomes not about the actual service it pays, and it starts creating a not-market marketplace where they just want to sell you their one blank subscription, and it's an artificial environment of an economy that doesn't help the artists grow and thrive based on the degree of their talent. Huh. What's that mean? Well, again, it's another place where we can look at the entertainment industry and see as an example how it is a reflection of how we all exchange energy and how we find value for the workers within a community and how that value is overlooked by the corporations that simply want to create the illusion of value for their investors. Artemis? I really wish you
0: had your notes, but I don't think it would make any difference if you did. Because I feel like this was one of the worst segues in all of podcasting history.
1: I don't think so. I think that was rather smooth.
0: Oh, man. I'm really going to have to start, like, editing your notes before we go into an episode. This is tragic. What? I'm
1: just going to focus on Netflix. Ignore you.
0: So what did Netflix do that was so bad? They just wanted to
1: send DVDs in the mail? That was what they did at first. But then they became the first real streaming service. They started licensing all of these shows. Shows like The Office and Friends and Star Trek. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People watch those things over and over
1: and over again. Oh, yes. People love those shows. Shows that have a whole many seasons built up and fond memories. And it started creating this thing called binge-watching. Yeah, everyone knows what binge-watching is, Artemis. Yes, but historically, I think it deserves a little context. Because when Netflix gave us the binge-watching scenario, it put us into a state of a new way of experiencing the media.
0: Okay, so Netflix gave us
1: binge-watching. This isn't a very good hypothesis. Well, once they had that, they wanted to create their own shows because they had to pay quite a bit of money the more people kept watching Friends and watching The Office and watching whatever it was, they got deeper and deeper into needing to pay money to these studios that would license them their shows. And so they were like, we'll make our own shows. And meanwhile, all of the studios said, well, we'll create our own streaming services since you won't pay us how much we want for our shows. huh?" And that is how we get into this complicated scenario where all of the movie studios suddenly deciding that what they want to do is now entering the tech industry and that's nothing they should be doing if you know what I mean yeah that's um i don't know what you mean no well i'm saying like okay the tech industry is many inflated values of how they're going to make money and how they're going to keep people on so when things like facebook and Google, and these companies first started, it wasn't clear they were going to be using their investors' money to do what to make a profit, but it ended up being towards advertising in the end, and everyone probably could have predicted that. But it wasn't evident to the users where the value of the company was being made to the investors. They weren't the actual users. The people on the platforms were the product, and the people who were using the product were the advertisers. Uh Aha, but Netflix isn't like that. These streaming services, they need to just constantly be getting new subscribers. And that was the way they showed value to their investors. And so to do that, they would... I, I got it. I got it. They made a awesome bunch of shows and movies. Well, actually, yes. At first, they kind of did. They gave quite a bit of creative liberties to artists. And the first early of them, the booming ones, gave them quite the reputation that there were certain shows... You weren't going to find on television, you weren't going to find in any movies, and you'd find them on Netflix. But since then, they've kind of moved to more of a quantity over quality model. And in doing so, it's not about getting you to watch something you like. It's just about getting you to scroll forever. They're more competing with sleep than they are anything else. Ha huh. Yes. The more you're just looking, you could spend hours on the platform and it doesn't matter whether you really enjoy a show to the end as long as you keep looking and find another. Huh. And that's why they won't make their shows past the second season because then they'd have to give everybody a raise and they see no profit in giving the creators a raise. That doesn't
0: sound very creator-driven as it originally made themselves out to be.
1: Not when you're not paying them very much in the first season and hence why we've been having these writer strikes that just finished and the actors strikes and it's going to be quite interesting to see what the new economy would look like in which the streamers have to share some of their profits with the creators wow
0: that is going to be interesting to see so gosh do you think that the actors are going to resolve their strike
1: pretty soon oh probably Now that there's a model based on the writer's strike, it should resolve itself pretty evenly. Wow.
0: So, this was probably the worst episode of Metacosmos ever, Artemis. What? What do you mean? It's all over the place. Like, there was, like, no sense of finality just then. And I'm really regretting that I didn't do the original bit at this point. That's ridiculous. This was a very educational episode. No, this is... This was a jumbled mess. I don't know if we... Maybe we can fix it in the edit, but... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming out. I'm Bartleby Nehi.
1: And I'm Artemis Nehi.
0: Listen to you. You're suddenly proud. Look what you... Look at this mess you've made, and you're taking that tone. It's a... I think this was probably our best episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. Um, check it out, everyone. This is the most important call for writing in ever. Tell us, was this the worst or the best episode ever of Metacosmos? For everybody who thinks this was the worst episode ever, I'm sorry. And I promise that next time and every other time, I'm gonna either just do a whole like shenanigan on this guy and I'm not gonna let him do these shows to you guys. Or or um I'll figure out some bit. It'll be fun. And if you really like and you actually think this is the best episode ever, like, seriously, Artemis, it's not. Um, you, you can tell us. And I guess, I guess I'd have to let Artemis do this more often. Um, so yeah.
1: I can't believe you phrased it that way.
0: No, no, that's the perfect way to phrase it. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Metacosmos is made by the support of listeners like you go to patreon.com bluefoot because our show is produced by Isaac Bluefoot. And Isaac Bluefoot produces other shows for us. He does our Kinetic Paranormal Society podcast. It's like the Adventure Show, a comedy adventure show. And it's awesome. I don't think it is, but to each their own. Yeah, It's so funny. Also, Isaac Bluefoot produces Superman, Son of Al, The Unauthorized Biography of Clark Kent. And it's a super awesome, like, audiobook podcast with music and lots of, like, characters and their voices are super cool. And it's awesome. It really is something special. And you can listen to it at com, or, like, just look up, like, Superman or Son of Al, wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's, like, really awesome. Also, Metacosmos is made with the support of Humble Hot Air. Thank you, Humble Hot Air. Go to HumbleHotAir.org and listen to the streaming anytime you need a good stream of things. And they're awesome. It's the best. And there's so many good songs and great talk shows just like this one. Or I should say, there's really nothing like this one. But they're really great talk shows nonetheless. Everyone's different. You know? So... You can also, if you want, you can support all these productions by checking out Omen Quest Cards at OmenQuestCards.com. If you get yourself a deck and put them, like, in your purse or pocket, they really fit in a purse better. You should carry a purse for that or a backpack. Anyways, you carry them with you, and it's like a kind of a a box of magical conversations that just, you got to try it. It's so cool. So anyways, thank you all so much. You're
1: wonderful. And I love you. I absolutely cannot believe you called this the worst episode. Listen, it's too late.